You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah Beit Shemesh, Israel 5780-2019. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Miketz. And we have the continuation of the story of Yosef HaTzadik, who was sent, he was sold by his brothers into slavery, sent to Egypt. There he had to interact with a very difficult situation where his master's wife wanted him to be with her. He ends up in jail for 12 years. And finally, at the beginning of our parsha, Mikesh Shnasayim Yamim, another two years after his interaction with the Sar Mashkim, the Sar Oifim, their dreams, Paro has a dream, and Paro calls him out of the dungeon in order to ask his explanation of the dream. Torah tells us this entire story, and as we watch the story unfold from the age of 17 till the age of 30, when he's finally redeemed, so to speak, he comes out of jail. Not only that, he becomes second in command only to Pharaoh, only to Paro. We read the story, and we see that there are so many injustices. This is what I would like to focus on this week. And I also want to connect it again to Hanukkah, like we spoke about last week. But it's very important to understand, this is a foundational idea. I hope I can express it properly. I'm going to share with you a few different midrashim that I, that I came across and try to connect them and draw them together. But we have a tzaddik. We have a Yosef tzaddik. He has these dreams. He's meant to be the leader of his brothers. He's meant to guide them. And that's what the dreams express. And when he tells it over to his brothers, his brothers are just jealous. And they sell, sell him such a great injustice. They take their own brother and they sell him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. He's a tzaddik. He's a good person. He runs away from doing evil. And he ends up ensnared by the wife of Potiphar sent to jail for 13, for 12 years until finally, finally, after so much time I mean, he was a tzaddik he didn't belong in jail, he hadn't done anything wrong all the way around, he did what was right after 12 years, finally he comes out now there's a medrash here it says something very interesting the, the Pasuk tells us in Koheles in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 14 that he came out, it's a reference, it's not clear what the Pasuk is talking about, but the Medrash understands that it's speaking about Yosef HaTzadik, that he came out from the jail in order to in order to rule, in order to be the king. Zay Yosef, the verse doesn't say who it's speaking about, the Medrash says it's speaking about Yosef. He came out of Pharaoh's um, jail. He came out in order to become the king. Right, it wasn't clear, perhaps at the time, at the moment, when Paro called for him, he didn't know it would be. It could be that he would be taken out, sent right back in. Paro called for him, so for the fact that Paro was the one calling, which is very strange, very unusual, that that uh, the the leader of the entire world at that time, the entire civilized world, would call for a slave boy who's in jail for having done a terrible, dastardly da- act there was an indication that there was a connection between him and the king, and that was that he was going to become a king himself. Now it's interesting. The verse also says, a language which needs explanation, it says that in his kingship, so somebody became poor. Who was it that became poor? Potiphar. Potiphar. 
right? Think about it. Let's talk about Potiphar for a moment. Potiphar had this slave he bought on the market, a beautiful slave, handsome slave, who served him faithfully for that full year, wouldn't touch anything of his, everything that he touched turned into gold on his behalf. He saw that Hashem was giving success to Yosef. He wouldn't touch his wife, even though Potiphar's wife was doing all that, he could to, all that she could to try to ensnare him. He was the ultimate faithful slave, and he had only blessings from him. And what does Potiphar do? He, the ultimate betrayal, the ultimate injustice. He takes his faithful slave. He knows, it's very clear to him, his wife is who she is. She's a liar. But he takes his slave, and he throws him into jail, where he rots for 12 years. Now The, the Midrashim say that he had such enjoyment from Yosef, he enjoyed having Yosef around, that he actually would take him out of jail in order to, to pour him tea and to, to set set up his house and to keep doing what he had been doing before. That's the Midrashim. But for a moment, let's think about, without the, without the let's just look at the Pashup Shat, the simple explanation, the simple verse. Potiphar has done such a terrible injustice to his slave, his faithful slave, his faithful servant. How could he live with himself? And the Medrash tells us an amazing thing, that when Yosef came out of jail, Potiphar became poor. He became poor. Very interesting. Meaning somehow, Potiphar had sucked out of Yosef his benefit. Yosef brought to Potiphar, to Potiphar's house, blessings. And according to the Medrash, he continued to serve him throughout that time. And Potiphar, what did he show, how did he show him any kind of Hakaras uh, Hatov, where was his gratitude? Sent him into jail for 12 years. The blessings continued. Potiphar's house. Why? Because he was the one who was in charge of Yosef. He was the one who had the power over Yosef. It's, it's reminiscent very much of Yaakov Avinu with Lavan, all the blessings that came into Lavan's house because of Yaakov, because of the work of Jacob. Till finally, at a certain point, just, just as it was with Yaakov, so too it was with Yosef. At some point, it became clear that the blessings were not because of anybody other than Yosef. When Yosef comes out and becomes the king, and finally the blessings come upon himself, so then Potiphar becomes bereft. All the blessings that were coming to him because of Yosef are gone. Are gone. It's all taken. And whereas we could even say, you know, he marries Potiphar's daughter. He takes everything. He takes everything. Everything becomes his. He becomes the heir of Potiphar. Very interesting. So, so there's a certain justice. There's a certain justice. And that's what I would like to bring out from here. That the way that things function in Hashem's world... Many times it seems that those who are righteous, those who do what's right, those who in, in fact are supposed to be leaders, those who are supposed to be in charge, those who he, Yosef was supposed to be the leader of his brothers. But the injustice, the injustice of them selling him into slavery, and it continues and it deepens and it gets worse. He becomes a slave of a Potiphar and he brings him success and all of the success goes to Potiphar. He ends up in jail for 13 years. All of these things... It, it sounds terrible. 13 years. 13 years that this whole thing was Nizgalgel. The result of the brother's enmity, their, their anger towards him. Unfair. Unfair. Unfairly they treated him. And Yosef, amazingly, and this is also, there's like a profound, deep lesson here. Number one is that it seems unjust, but Yosef doesn't see it that way. What a profound lesson. Everywhere he goes, he continues to have success and to be optimistic and to be positive. 
He doesn't allow his situation to destroy him. He doesn't allow the injustice to destroy him and to jade his view. When the brothers come in, well, before we get to the brothers coming in, I'd like to share with you something that you see something just amazing in 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 Yaakov, in, in Yosef, in his attitude, his positive, optimistic attitude. Yosef comes into Paro. Paro calls him in and he says, "Come, I've heard that you know how to translate and explain dreams. I want you to explain my dream." And Yosef says, "Biladai." Biladai says, "It's not me." God is going to, to respond to you. The Mezrish says, He didn't take the credit for himself. Here's this amazing thing. Yosef Atali, he has the talent. He understands dreams. He, he knows that. He knows that. But he doesn't say, it's me. Excuse me, he says, it's God. It's God. Biladai, it's not me. He sticks to the facts. That's an amazing thing. Yosef, despite the fact that he always loses out, it seems. He's always lost out when he's stuck to the fact. This, I can't touch you. You're Potiphar's wife. That's the fact. I can't do what's wrong. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be the leader over you, my dear brothers. It's the facts. That's what the dreams meant. That's what they said. It's the facts. He always stuck to the facts. It didn't always seem to work out well for him. But he always stayed positive. He stuck to the facts. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who's in charge of my life. Hashem is the one who's in charge. It seems like I'm losing out because of it. I don't care. Biladai. Paro says to him, I heard about you that you're the man. He says, it's not me. I have to tell you the truth. I have to tell you the truth. I know it's not me. If I have a talent, it's because God gave it to me. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu can take it and HaKadosh Baruch Hu can give it. Hashem can take it away. He can give it back. It's not me. He sticks to the facts. Tala hagidula bebalea. He says who it really belongs to. It's an amazing thing in the Hamshech of the story. As the story continues, Vayakir Yosef is a chav. He becomes the king, becomes the ruler over the land, and, and his brothers come to him. And it's nine years later now. He's thirty-nine years old, and he still always sticks to the the simple facts. He sees the truth. Vayakir Yosef is a chav. He recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. He's, there's something very interesting here, and I think it's indicative. Right? It's the Pasuk. Okay, the Medrash explains, because he didn't have a beard at the time when he, he was 17 when he left them. He, they didn't recognize him. He didn't look the same. He had a beard now. It was, he was 39 years old. It was 22 years later. But he saw the truth. That's an amazing thing. Because he was... I don't know if the right word is addicted to truth. Because he was committed, I would say, to truth, he saw the truth. He saw his brothers. And the fact that the Pasuk has to tell us that he recognized them, there's an indication they were much older. They had, they had grown old, perhaps. They had grown, grown gray. They looked different. Time had, time had taken, their, taken its toll on, on his brothers. But he saw the truth. He was accustomed to looking for truth. He was accustomed to recognizing the truth. That's how he was able to understand the dreams. Understand the true meaning of Paro's dream. Understand the true meaning of the Saramashkim's dream. Understand the true meaning of his own dream. He had a special knack for being connected to truth. And he stuck it out with the truth. He stuck it out with the truth. That was his amuno. That was his positivity. The truth will win in the end. Kodesh Baruch Hu's goodness wins in the end. He recognizes his brothers. He sees the truth and they don't see the truth. They don't recognize him. They have a problem. 
And that problem goes back to the beginning of the story. They didn't recognize the truth of who he was. They didn't recognize the truth of who Yosef was. The fact that he was meant to be their leader. And so Yosef has to, sometimes, you know, there's, there's something called humility. Humility is where I live aligned with the truth. And there's humiliation, which is where I get caught by the truth. Yosef was someone who had humility. He lived with the truth. And ultimately, the truth, the true reality of God revealed itself in his life. It took a, it took a long time. It took a long amount of yesur and of challenges, of difficulties. It seemed like the truth, because he stuck to the truth, he lost out. That's the way it looked. But ultimately, the message of the story, one of the many messages of the story of Yosef, is that when you stick to the truth, when you stick to what's right, ultimately, you are connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the reality. Goodness is the true reality, even though many times it doesn't seem that way. And so Yosef recognizes them, he sees the truth. They don't recognize him, they don't see the truth. Okay, one last point. Yosef, at the end of the story, as he's about to reveal himself to them, which we won't get until next week's parsha, but as he's about to reveal himself to them, so he says, he says a truth. The brothers come back because the gavia, the special cup, has been found by Binyamin, by Benjamin, in his bag, and they're caught by the truth. And they don't understand the truth, it doesn't make any sense to them, but they're caught by the facts. The facts are that there's something stolen that's not theirs, it's in their possession. And Yehuda steps up and he says, you can't take him, make me your slave, don't take Binyamin. And Yosef says, no, 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 I'm not interested in anybody, I just want him, he's the one who stole from me, he's my slave. That's the truth. Go. You can go. You're free. That's the truth. That's really the truth. And amazingly, Yehuda has to step up with a deeper truth, which is what we find in the next week's Parsha, which is that I made a promise. I made a, I made a guarantee. And that guarantee was to my father that I would return. So even though there's your truth, Yosef, which is that you caught him red-handed, so to speak. You caught him with the Gavia. But there's a deeper truth. And Yehuda says there's a deeper truth. If I, we, we show up and, you, and Binyamin is not with us, our father's life is ended. That's the end. So throughout this story, Yosef is the one who, who holds on to the truth. He holds on to the truth until the truth is revealed 22 years later that he's the true leader. And it's his responsibility to redeem them by making sure that they stand up for Binyamin, for Benjamin. That's, that's what he's trying to get at. He doesn't have any revenge. That's not his, you know, that's not his modus operandi. It's not his, that's not his goal. It's not revenge. He remembers the dreams. He doesn't rem- the Pusik doesn't say that he remembers the things that they did to him. That's not what the Pusik says. They remember what they did to him. Right? You read the Psukim. It says that he remembers the dreams. He remembers the truth that he's their leader. It's his job to redeem them, to bring them back, to have them do tshuva for the, for the terrible thing that they did, that they threw away the son of Rachel. They threw, threw away Yosef. Very interesting, this is not part of the main point, but I want to mention it because it's something that came up in a discussion uh, that I had with, with another uh, very chashav person about the parsha, and that is there was such a, a quiet of Yosef. He was able to be quiet. He had an amazing ability, just like Rachel Imenu. 
Rachelimenu was quiet. When, he, when Leah was, was given over to, to be married to Yaakov, she was giving up her own spiritual world. She was supposed to be the one who had 12 tribes, she herself. She gave it up to Leah. And all of the problems arose because now we have two wives, a Leah and, and a Rachel, and we have the children of Leah, we have Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zvulun, the children of Leah, I'm sorry, the children of Rachel, we have, we have Yosef, and we have Binyamin, and really Yosef, Yosef was the main child of the main wife. But he, but he wanted to redeem his brothers. He wanted them to be able to stand up and atone for the mistake that they made in selling him, getting rid, trying to get rid of the other wife. That other wife who had been quiet and allowed a co-wife to come in, his, her own sister to come in, marry Yaakov. Yosef now was quiet as well. Didn't reveal himself, didn't reveal who he was, and didn't reveal what his gambit was, what he was trying to accomplish for them. Until it became clear, the truth that had been there all along, and they were caught in that humiliating moment when Yosef revealed who he was, and the truth became clear that they had made the mistake, that they were wrong all along. And, you know, when we look at Jewish history, I want to talk about a little bit about Hanukkah briefly. We look at Jewish history and we look at reality. And, you know, we've been a, a people who's been oppressed. We have stuck to the truth for 3,300 years. And, and it hasn't always looked good for us. The reason that Hitler wanted to destroy us beca- was because of the fact that we are the conscience of the world. That we are not the strongest. And yet, we made room for those who are right to win. Those who are right to have success and to continue to survive and to thrive. And we have returned to Eretz Yisrael after a, such a long exile, an exile of 18, 1900 years. We have returned here, and we are Yosef. We are the Jewish people. We are Yosef. We've been oppressed by, by the Hellenists, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, the Christians, the Muslims. Throughout history, we've been oppressed. And there's been claims that, that have been made that we've been replaced as the chosen ones of Hashem. And of course, we've remained steadfast to the truth. That's our emuna. That's our faith. That's our belief. Just as Yosef remained steadfast to the truth. And when the winds of enlightenment blew and, and, and pulled away so many Jews from Yiddishkeit, from Judaism, to, from authentic Judaism, and reform movements came and went, conservative movements came and went, and all these other things that tried to pull us away, the Jewish people, at their core, we remain steadfast in our commitment to the Torah. We remain steadfast in our commitment to God. And here we are, back in the land of Israel. It's our obligation, no matter where we are in the world, to return. To return to the land of Israel. To return to the Torah. To return to our commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, To return to our commitment to God, no matter where we are. And to the degree that we are committed to truth and to right, Ultimately, just as it was in the story of Yosef, just as it was in the story of Hanukkah, it will be revealed again that we are the ones who have remained steadfast to our commitment to God throughout all the years, throughout the millennia. And the truth ultimately is revealed. The truth is being revealed as we speak. Right now, the truth is being revealed because we are, we are here and we have returned. And there's nothing more threatening to those who carry the torch of the lie of the great lie of replacement theology that God has chosen another nation, 
Heaven forbid. After all the thousands of years that we died and we sacrificed for the one true God. No idolatries, no other versions of God's revelation, only one true version of God's revelation. That's the commitment that we have to the Torah. And I want to point out that this is a theme within Hanukkah. We say it in Alanisim and Vimeh Matisyo. There's something about the justice, the injustice, the injustice that we see. The Hellenists try to force us out of our religion, the Enlightenment movement, all the conservative reform, all these things try to take away the Jew from his Yiddishkeit. They try to turn off the light of truth, to take us away from the truth. But ultimately, the message of Hanukkah, the message of the story of Yosef, and the message of the entire history of the Jewish people is this simple message, that the truth wins in the end. And you, in your great compassion, you stood up for us, in the time of our oppression. Raftas Rivam, you fought our fight. Dantas Dinam, you judged the true judgment. Nakamtas Nikmasam, you took our revenge. Masarta Giborim Yad Khalashim. We should have lost. We were weak. They were strong. You gave a, you gave them to us. We won. Virabimiyamitim, they were many. We were few. To Mayambiatayram, they were impure. They had power. We were pure. Usually those who are, are, are pure, those who are committed, those who are in, on the side of truth, it seems like they lose. Rishon Biyad Sadikim, you gave over the evil ones in the hands of the righteous. The ones who are the wanton sinners, gave them into the hands of those who are involved in studying the Torah, committed to the Torah. What's the result of this story? What's the result of the story of Yosef? What's the result of the story of Hanukkah? An incredible Kiddush Hashem. Those who remain steadfast, those who remain connected to truth, ultimately, it's revealed who was really right. Ultimately, it becomes revealed that the Jewish people who remain steadfast and committed throughout the thousands of years of Gullus of exile were still here. Hashem never forsook us. Hashem never let us go. And here we are celebrating that with these beautiful little lights of the Hanukkah Menorah. No matter where we are, there's something inside of the Jew, as far as they might be, even from the Torah and even from Yiddishkeit and even from from God's true will for them, we still light that little that little Menorah, those little candles, because it reminds us of what's really true and our commitment the real truth and our knowledge, our awareness that ultimately the truth will win, that ultimately the truth will be revealed. I want to bless you and I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us that we should be able to remain committed to truth, that we should be able to remain committed to our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our belief in Him when things are tough, when it seems like it's unjust, when it seems like things are not fair. It seems like we've, we're losing because we're doing what's right. Shem should help us to remain positive, optimistic, aware that ultimately the truth will win. May Hashem help us to be there to see it in the end. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. 
This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.